All right. S-O-T-H podcast episode number 3.1, we'll call it. <laughs> because I screwed up 3.0. I don't know what happened, but I lost all my audio on my track while I was editing it together. And uh, we're going to... I don't know. We'll just review it, you know, second time around. I think we should be able to Learning do it. Learning curves, yeah. yeah we'll, it's uh, you try to get it, still knocking some kinks out, but uh, it, yeah, everything's been pretty cool. And on my end, I, I've been having a good time doing this, man. So yeah, it's fun. It's a good time. But I mean, basically, we just uh, talked about gear. Like we yeah. geeked out on gear pretty hard. A little hard. bit, a little bit. It's not going to be hard to redo. <laughs> no. Um, we basically just went over a lot of the stuff that you saw at the show. Yeah. At uh Great American Outdoor Show. Yeah, down, down in Harrisburg. Harrisburg. Uh yeah, what a what a really cool show. I'm I'm already looking forward to next year. Yeah. Uh I it's the first time I've been down there in a few years. And uh it's just uh it's it's obviously it's run by the NRA now, so it's obviously a little gun heavy. Uh but the uh archery hall, if you will, was yeah. just awesome. They had so much cool stuff down there. Uh, everything from turkey calls. Uh, met some really cool local people, uh, PA people that you know out of, out of the area that are uh, down there with stands and they're set up uh, showing their stuff and uh, enticer game calls. Really cool guy uh, out of PA and some of his stuff was really awesome. He had some really cool waterproof calls, uh, so I got to talk to him for a little bit. Nice. Uh, did a couple videos uh, for PA bow hunting down there with some of the local PA people, some of the guys who are manufacturing out of the state. Um, a lot of cool stuff though, man. A lot of really trinkety stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But there was a lot of really neat stuff down there. So, uh, it's, yeah. uh, go ahead. That was, that was, uh, I remember last week you were, you were telling me about that, that waterproof call. Yeah. 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 What was that? What did he, what does he make that out of? Uh, it wasn't Formica. It was, uh, like a countertop material that he was using. Oh, it was right. Glass right. over glass. Corian. It was Corian. made out of Corian. Yeah, it was glass over glass in in Corian, and I was like, man, that's a great idea. Because uh, we, Damien and I, uh, we we mess around with making our own calls, and we've been trying to figure out how to do a waterproof call. Yeah, uh, I have a waterproof box call, and the thing is awesome. I mean, you can yeah. dunk it right in the water and just pick it right out and start calling with it. Yeah. Um, but I've never been a huge box call fan. No, I mean, I don't, I don't know. I was actually just uh, I was looking to put together a piece of content today and i was going through all my old turkey stuff and i i was going to cut a screenshot of me i was calling and i had the mouth call hanging out and i was going to actually pose the question what call is your go-to so yeah i mean i don't even take a box call anymore i have a bunch but i just don't take them they're they're kind of clunky they're noisy yeah jared the, bump it while you're sitting there and that's and it, it just, yeah i have to rubber band mine super tight so mm. that it doesn't squeak in my pocket you know yeah. and when i'm when i'm walking in my vest the only reason i bring a box call is because it's waterproof mm-hmm. that's the only reason i have it out there because i've gotten rained out a few times where i got stuck and there's no way you can play a slate in the rain yeah mouth calls love mouth calls i'm not yeah. a really good mouth caller but i'm adequate yeah you call a bird in. that's it i mean when you have a bow in your hands you gotta be able to use a mouth call yeah you know? yeah and i mean honestly you don't really even have to be good to call turkeys no. in because no i was in a situation one time uh with my dad and a guy ended up creeping in kind of close to where we were on the neighboring property and we were just covered in birds there were there were like six different birds came in and this guy was calling and it it was the worst thing i ever heard like even as a young hunter i, I just remember being like oh my god 
and he, and he he called a couple birds into him. It was it was a crazy situation, but yeah, anyone I've could been do out it, in you know? nature and seen birds who sounded ridiculous. Yeah, hens walking hens. around like yeah. there's someone just choked them out. They yeah. were just squeaking and squawking and making all kinds of silly noises. Yeah, and I was like, wow. Well, there you go. There you have it. You don't have to be a great turkey caller no, to call turkeys. Not at all. Not at all. But um, that being said, uh, heavy topic of discussion last time, um, you shot a few bows down there? I did. I did. Yeah. I went and shot an elite. Nice. Uh, yeah, you I know. had to do it. Uh, there was a couple down there. I wanted to shoot a few bows, but uh, it was. A, I went on a Friday, and it was bananas. There were so many people there. Right. Uh, and they even called it. They're like, Friday and Saturdays are going to be the busiest days. And they weren't lying. I mean, we got down there early. It wasn't even open yet when we got down into Harrisburg. And every parking lot was full. So we had to drive all the way to Harrisburg Mall to the Bass Pro shop and, and jump on a charter bus and yeah. you know, charter over. And it was cool. Bass Pro was doing it for free. Um, you know, nice. they were uh, giving out free charter rides from there. So it was free parking and a free ride. So it was not a bad deal at all. Uh, but it just took you longer to get there. And, uh, yeah, it was, there was a lot of people there. But uh, the elite was, uh, there was, he was just kind of standing around like, sweet, I'm going to go check these out and yeah. took a look at some of their, uh, some of their bows. And um, I, the Primal, is it, what's the name of their, their new Their flagship, flagship right now? Yeah. The Ritual. The Ritual, that's the one I new shot. I'm itching. I can't wait. Yeah, I was really super impressed with that. I mean, I, I'm a Hoyt guy. I've been Hoyt, shooting Hoyts for a long time. And, uh, and I, I picked that bow up, and when I drew it, I actually had to ask him twice, like, are you sure this is a 70-pound bow? Yeah. Like, it felt like I was drawing 55 pounds. Yeah, that's, I could their, not believe that's it. their thing, like, the, sh the shootability. I think that's their Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It, it did not move in my hand. And, I mean, yeah. I was just shooting, you know, whatever arrows into a backstop, no yeah. sight, no uh, right. stabilizer, nothing yeah. on the bow. Um, so, I mean, you, you deck it out a little bit, man. You're going to get a more, I think, you know, a little more steady of a shot. You know, yeah. you add a little weight to it. Because it was a lightweight bow. Uh, the, the back wall on it was sick. I mean, it was just yeah. dead nuts. There was, no, there was no give at all. I mean, yeah. definitely put my Hoyt to shame. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, really cool bow. So uh, I'm like, and the price, my goodness, they're under $1,000. Yeah, that's, that's nice. I, I mean, that's... Prices on new bows anymore are just so outrageous. Some of them, we'll say. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's a number of them out there that are pricing themselves right out of the blue collar market. Yeah. You know? I mean, I, I shot the Triax, and for as nice as it was, mm -hmm. I just don't know if I could ever see myself putting up 14 or 15. Yeah, yeah. You there's, know, whatever it is they're, that they're, up that they're there, asking man. for it. I mean, that's. Yeah, Hoyt's RX ones, they're 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 the same thing. They're That's thirteen, a, fourteen hundred dollars. That's their yeah, the red works. Yeah. And uh, you know, I was excited when they first kind of started. You know, they the, the media marketing type blitz they put out about a month before they actually released the bows. You yeah. started seeing these they were little nice. teasers, so I was pretty excited. And then I saw it, and I was like, "Wow, I'm not really I'm, impressed. I'm, <laughs> Doesn't yeah. look all that much different from last year. The only thing yeah. different is another two hundred and fifty dollars on the price tag." Yeah, it's like, mm, yeah, I mean, that's a tough one. I don't know what the next big step in, you know, engineering as far as a bow goes. I mean, I feel like the the specs have been kind of where they've been for a couple of years now. Sure. Just like my expedition, that's a, a 2014 that I shoot, and I think the the IBO is supposed to be 354, mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And that was 2014. Right. Right. I mean, today, it's kind of still where we're sitting sure you know, we're 
four years later now. There's only so fast you can get with these things before right. you start to run into some engineering problems. I mean, they've pushed the envelope. I remember when the first bow broke 300 feet per second. Right. Um, and, you know, that was a big accomplishment. Now they've got them out there that'll hit 360. You yeah. Know? Now that's 360 IBO. I think we kind of talked a little bit about the... Uh, IBO. Yeah, in the second half. It, yeah. See, this is kind of goofy now because we could talk <laughs> about what we already talked about in the second half last week. But yeah, we do get into IBOs yeah. in the second half of this podcast. Yeah. So it, it can be a little deceiving. It's tough to really achieve the speeds that they right. uh, claim. Um, but, you know, they are fast regardless. I mean, yeah. if you can get like real world speed over 300 feet per second, yeah, you're you're doing pretty good. And yeah. if you can do it quietly and comfortably, that's right. the trick. I mean, right. anybody can shoot an arrow at 345, 350 feet per second, but it's going to make a lot of noise. You're going to have a lot of feel in the in the riser. It's going to be really tough to do that. Yeah. Um but yeah, man, that 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 elite was pretty sweet. I was really impressed with that. So um, Yeah, that was the biggest honestly thing that impressed me was the quality of both for the money. Yeah. Yeah, that's I, I feel like they, they definitely are appealing to the to a larger market than I guess, you know. Uh, well even their sales rep said he's like, you know, the last couple of years we did it wrong. He goes, We know it and our customers let us know that we were mm-hmm. charging too much for the stuff that we were doing. He's like, So we wanted to make some modest improvements to the equipment, but really drop the price on them and make them more affordable. So uh, they're one of the companies who kind of really tried to keep up with the other bow companies in regard to the, you know, the the cost and stuff like that. And it, and it bit them. So yeah. I think they realized that. And they were smart to do so because that's going to put them back on the map now to find a, a bow that that's that shootable, a flagship bow, if you will, for that price. It's going to yeah. really put them back on the map, I yeah. think. I'm anxious to get my hands on one. Um, it and it's going to be a different, I think. Uh, how what's the best way to put it? A different type of feel, I guess, for me. I've, I've been so used to to the speed, sure, and kind of like a, a medium weight arrow. That I, now I'm I'm definitely going to lose speed. I would think. Probably, yeah. The expeditions but, they have a really aggressive cam on them, and mm-hmm. I mean, and I've shot the expeditions, and they're nice bows. They shoot smooth for how fast they shoot. Right. Um. The you're. I think uh, I read. I read something that the real world speed on the um. That bow. The let's see. What was it? Two ninety seven, something like that. So you're still approaching three hundred yeah. feet per second. Yeah. That's that's no slouch. You right. know what I mean? I'd give up speed for shootability and, and yeah. drawability any day. Yeah, and I think I'm kind of in that boat too. I mean I was always shooting a, a sixty five pound bow and I would just max it out just yeah. so I would get peak performance out of it. And sure. the expedition would push the what, four four twenty six, I think my arrows are. Okay. Four hundred twenty six grains. Yeah, yeah. It would be just just around three hundred feet per second. Yeah, that's pretty so, good though. I yeah, mean, it's a efficient. Four hundred plus grain arrow with you know a yeah. close to three hundred. Yeah, you're you're doing all right because you get the best of both worlds. You get the speed and you can get your kinetic energy at the right. at the where the where the arrow lands. So right. So, um, I'm kind of thinking that I'm going to bump up to seventy on my next bow, and it's kind of reassuring if it if it does end up being an elite. That, you, you won't know, that, notice a difference. That, yeah. I mean, even, even, you know, I've shot 65-pound bows. I had a target bow that was 60. My hunting bow was 70. Right. And I really couldn't tell much of a difference between 60 and 70. Yeah. Um, a little bit. You could if you tried to. But it's the same draw cycle, you know, same form. It's You're not going to notice a difference. Right. Right. And I 
I mean, I guess I should, you know, I, I talk up my expedition mm-hmm. so much that people are probably like, well, why, why, are, you, why are you getting a new bow? Um, there's kind of a, a story to that that um, I guess it, it, it could be told, but it's not really going to make sense for everyone because not everyone is doing the same thing that I'm trying to do as right. far as my social media goes and uh, trying to build something that I look at as a business. I need reciprocation for the content that I put out. So since 2014, 2015, I've been shooting an expedition. I've been creating content for them. I've had a really good relationship with them. And uh, recently they took on a new marketing team that I guess uh, is going in a different direction. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to – I guess I shouldn't put it that way, but essentially I was asked to reapply for – I don't even want to call it sponsorship because I bought my bow. Right, right, right. It's not like anything was really given to me. Um, I just need them to share my content, which was really all I was looking for. Certain things were promised, and then it seemed like it wasn't going to happen once they asked me to reapply after I had been, you know, with the company for three sure, years. Sure, You had a working content with them, for yeah. free. So, you know, it, it's tough. It just didn't seem like it was going to work out. We just weren't seeing eye to eye. I think that they're kind of looking for different content, honestly. Well, when you, know. you, when you go in a specific direction, uh, you know, there's, there's different decisions that you have to make in regard to, you know, what you want to have, your end game, if you will. You know what I mean? You're right. looking to, you know, a, a lot of people out there want to kind of try and follow suit in, in regard to what you're doing. This is a great opportunity for them to kind of learn a couple of things here and there through the podcast from you know, sure. some of the things you shared yeah. uh, in previous podcasts. And, uh, you know, some people who aren't going that direction, this is something that maybe they never thought about before. Like, yeah. okay, I never looked at it that way before. You know what I mean? Like, there's a business to this. There's a business in the background going on 24-7. Yeah, and for sure. I mean, it, I, you always used to see on the Outdoor Channel back in the day, you know, it got to the point that Matthews had everyone, you know, because oh, yeah. that was the company with the money. They, they still have everyone. Sure, sure. You know, Matthews could call me up tomorrow and say, Mark, we're going to send you a bow, but we're not going to share one piece of your content. And that would that would be a deal breaker for me. That would sure. be a no-go. I don't want your bow. Right, right. You know, right. I need you to support me. I need you to share my content because I have to grow. It's the only way I could do it. Right. So that's kind of going to be the uh, – the make or break for the next bow company that I decide to go with. Right, right. I can't keep pushing something that's not going to push back. Right, and that's it. You know? I mean, you, you need to align yourself with a good working relationship with a company that's going to give you a, a, a leg up, you know what I mean, give right. you a, a, in, the, in the industry. Because it's tough. It's, it's a pretty saturated industry. So you have to align yourself in right. that regard. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, yeah. you, you got to do what you got to do, man. You know, yeah, I mean. You're hard-pressed to find a crappy bow nowadays. Yeah, I mean. I, mean, I saw a few you know, on the show, let me tell you. <laughs> there, there, there's some. There's, there's some co- interesting pieces of engineering out there. Yeah, and, sure. but I mean, you think about it, there's guys out there doing it with longbows. Absolutely. Absolutely. Recurves. So, you know, if the thing fires an arrow, I'll be all right. Absolutely. You know? No, no doubt. No doubt. It, it's like, you know, not a lot of people look at it as a working relationship. They look at it right. as like that bow works for me and I'm going to go kill deer with it. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of a different scenario for you. you know. And, I mean? and I will wrap it up like this. I still think expedition bows are at the peak of the engineering curve. Mm-hmm. They really are. You, you just, 
Those guys that started that company are aerospace engineers for yeah. real. They're actually, no, no, yeah, I know. actually designing space shuttles and In the airplanes. same factory that they're right. building those boats, so, absolutely. I mean, you can't, you can't knock that piece of equipment. They're, they are engineering marvels for sure. Mm-hmm. But you got to have that working relationship, like you said. That's it. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it's imperative, especially if you're trying to come up in the industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. To, to align yourself with companies that are going to bring something else to the table. Um, not only give you a little bit of insight into the industry and give you a little bit of a leg up, but they're going to have to bring something to the table as well, just sure. as well as you intend to. You yeah. know what I mean? So, yeah, man, I I don't see um, any negative side of that. It is what it is. And you, you know a boat company would drop you in a minute if they thought it wasn't going to oh, work yeah. for them. So yep. it's the same way. You know, yeah. it's, it's a business thing. It's nothing personal. Yeah, you know? but that is what that is, I guess. I guess that's the only way mm-hmm. you could let that go. But I just felt that that kind of needed to be said because everyone's probably like, why is he looking to get of course. Like, yeah. what's What's the point there? But, yeah, I mean, and there's a, there's a lot of – Choices out there. I already shot the uh, the Bowtech Realm, which mm-hmm. was a great bow. It was they were almost carbon copies of each other. The Triax and the Realm. Yeah, I don't know if you, I haven't seen the Realm yet. I, well, they have. Nice. I did. I see. I saw one down there, but it was on a table, and there was forty people standing around talking to the rep. So, uh, I, I I had other things to do, so I wasn't going to stand around too long. But I got to take a peek at it. Uh, I got to take a look at some of the new bear bows. Uh, they're pretty sweet. Yeah, I mean, was they, that the Kuna? I yeah, think the Kuna. That's yeah. the, that. Yeah, Kuna. Yeah, I think that's their flagship, right? I think so. Kuna, Kuba, something, something like that. You're onto it. Yeah, um, it's a four-letter K word. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it's close but. enough. Uh, yeah, that's a really cool bow, man. Really cool bow. And they're another company that's trying to stay under that $1,000 marker. Yeah. And they're doing a good job of it. I think uh, right before it, my expedition, I owned a, a bear for a little while, and mm. it was like the a consumer, I guess you'd call it that consumer-level mm. bow. Which yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Like their middle. Sure, sure. I think I only pay. I think brand new. It was like five hundred dollars. Okay. Bare bow, but it was still an awesome bow. Sure. Super flat shooting, light, and you can't beat their grips. Have you Have you held a, a I have, bear? Yeah, They're I have. sweet. Yeah, I love I, that grip. I almost bought one a couple of years ago. I looked because there was three that I really looked at. Three bows I looked at was the Hoyt. I looked at a bear. It might have been like a motive, maybe a bear motive. I forget what the, the motive was. One of them, I yeah. Think it, I think that might have been one of them. And the expedition; those were the top three on my list. The bear because of the price point. Yeah. The expedition because it was just a ridiculous bow. Yeah. I went and shot that thing, and yeah. I shot it at, at Dave Fazio's place. Yeah. And then uh, and the Hoyt I shot, and I fell in love with that one. So, um, I was actually leaning towards the expedition, but then I went down to the Harrisburg show and got a ridiculous deal on the Hoyt. Yeah, and it was uh, the previous year's model, but I didn't care. I mean, it yeah. was a Spider Turbo, and uh, I got for the cost of that bow plus all my accessories, I still came in like a hundred bucks less than I would have paid for just the Expedition Bear bow. So that made a big difference for me. Um, but yeah, man, there's uh, the, the Bear bow was really sweet. A friend yeah. of mine shoots bear. You know, yeah. that's all he shoots, and uh, he really loves them. He but they've done well for him. They've served him well. Yeah. You know? There's there's deals to be had at the at the, the oh, shows. Oh, big time! Yeah, because yeah, it's not just the regular vendors that are down there. You know, the the manufacturers, uh, Weaver's Archery was down there. Um, Bowhunter Superstore was down there. Uh, there's a couple stores down there, and they had a full on, like, shopping extravaganza deal set yeah. up, like seven booths wide. It was amazing, yeah. and you'd go down. They you could buy a bow, get it completely set up and tuned, and walk out of there with a, a shooter. I mean, yeah. it was really impressive. So they did a lot with uh, <laughs> a lot of accessories and stuff like that. So, yeah, there was um, a couple different uh, 
there was another one now weak necked i think is the name of the archery store but there's a couple of them down there that had full-on shops set up where you can buy a brand new bow and the thing is they're down there trying to dump merchandise yeah. for lack of a better term right so you know i i think i still came in about 90 bucks under what was on the ticket at the show and just i said what's your bottom line on it man i want to buy it but there's three boots down here that have the same bow right and they're like eh, we'll do it for this and i was like sweet took up on it so yeah you know, there's deals to be had for sure. Nice. Start a little sure. bidding war. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> nice. You know, I didn't even look at another one. I just kind of yeah. made it up. But, yeah. you know, whatever. It was, he he, uh, yeah, he fell sure. for it. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But you can find guys who, like, you know, like that enticer game call guy. I can't remember his name. It's killing me. But a uh, really nice guy. And he was selling, you know, calls that are usually $40, $45. He's selling them for 30 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's, you get your show pricing. Yeah. Uh, fourth, uh, fourth arrow. Yeah. They were down there selling their arm, their uh, tree arms and stuff, and they had great deals. It was like an arm and a, uh, a fluid head for two hundred bucks. Yeah, I was like, geez, the arms are usually two fifty. A guy I work with actually, I think, grabbed that. I think yeah. he messaged me on on uh, Facebook and let me yeah. know that so he. So you can get good deals that. down there. I mean, we're fortunate. That's the largest outdoor show in the world, and we have it right in our backyard. Yeah. So it's it, it's definitely something to see if you've never been to it. Make it a point. Get down there next year and check it out. I mean, it's if you don't if you don't like crowds. Although I was just you. about to say, <laughs> that's pretty much the only reason why I hate going. It's yeah. not that I hate going. I won't say that I hate going, but I, I do. I do hate crowds. Go during the week. Go yeah. doing like a Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. You know, take the day off of work. Go down. Yeah, it's 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 something to see. Uh, well, you know, with again with the NRA having it, it's not as big. Uh, as it used to be in regard to like uh, widespread hunting, fishing, boating. Right. Uh, now there's a lot of outfitters there. Uh, so if you're looking to take a hunting trip somewhere, you can't throw a rock without hitting someone that's going to put you yeah. on whatever you want to yeah. find. Uh, worldwide, I mean, New Zealand, Africa, I mean, all over the place. Um, that was pretty cool. There was some really neat stuff in the RV section. I mean, there was just stuff everywhere. Yeah. I mean, it takes two or three days to see the whole place, honestly. Yeah, I think people forget that it's the outdoor show. So yeah. it's, it's not just hunting. No, it's all you know. sorts of stuff. Outfitters, fishing, the fishing hawks. I like to fish. Yeah. And that was just stunning. I mean, the amount of stuff and lures and you know, like a the, lot of lures made to catch the fishermen. There's a lot of that yeah. stuff going on. But yeah. there was a lot of really innovative stuff there. Um, just you don't know where to look. You know what I mean? It's hard to even know. You're just walking around in circles with your eyes open like kidney candy story. You have know? you? Have you? Did you see any of those wild lures that I've been seeing like all over Facebook? There's those couple that one rat super realistic that they have. I did. They had it. Uh, what was it called? The hog tank. Is that they what had a saying? hog tank there. Yeah. It was like a big semi back of yeah. a semi, but it was bass tank. Those bass look so angry. Yeah, <laughs> they were not happy to be there. Uh, but yeah, they were running. It was ducks. They had baby ducklings, uh, bats. Yeah. Uh, they yeah. had all kinds of crazy stuff going on down there that uh, they were swimming across the top, and the bass were just slamming it. Have you seen that one that's like a school of minnows, and they're all, like, attached? Yeah, all, like, it looks like the bottom of an ways. umbrella with no umbrella on it, and there's a bunch of fish on it. I, how does that not get tangled? I don't know. You, you're not getting my know. money on that no. one. No. <laughs> I mean, it's wild. You see, when you see oh, it's the video, cool looking, the yeah. and they all dart different ways, yeah, just yeah. like a school of minnows. But. Yeah, no, I, I fish with three little kids. There's no way. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah tie one of those on the end of their lines, and then you've yeah. got three little and kids tangled. we're off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was a lot of cool stuff down there. It's definitely something to see uh, for sure. And it's we're, we're just lucky to have it, you know. Because yeah. like I said, if you're looking for a deal, you could find it. The only thing you can't buy down there are guns. Yeah. You know, they won't allow you to purchase firearms down there. But you right. can buy it, and you can almost build one 
<laughs> all yeah. the parts you can buy there. Yeah, you, you can know? buy all the parts. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah, really cool. Really, really good time. Uh, something else we talked about that uh, you uh, you touched on down there, I guess um, you got in some knives down there. And I was telling I you that uh, I've recently been looking at Benchmade's. Mm-hmm. And, man, those are nice knives. They really are. <laughs> but they, they really are, are expensive. <laughs> That's it. They come with a price tag, you know. Uh, I, I was looking at another one. Uh, was it Blind Horse Knives? Battle Horse Knives. It used to be mm-hmm. Blind Horse, and then the guys split up, and it became LT Wright and Battle Horse. Uh, Battle Horse Knives. They're bushcrafting-type knives. Right. But they're another one. I mean, it's crazy when it if you're into fine kitchen equipment or if you're into find anything and you you pick something up that's like a good kitchen knife right and you feel that quality uh that's battle horse knives and you pick up a knife and you put it in your hand you're like holy smokes this was like made for my hand Mm -hmm. Uh, but they're like 200 bucks 250 dollars for something you're going to take out trash in the woods it's kind of hard to kind of hard to commit on something like that but you know battle horse knives is a well-known name you know, there's a lot of knives out there that you're paying for the name. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, like and, buck. I mean, I've had a yeah. buck since I was 12 years old. Oh, absolutely. But a buck's not going to cost you 250 bucks. Right. <laughs> Get a good true. buck knife for $60, $70. And even that's a lot for some people to put on a hunting knife. Yeah. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. There's good ones out there to be had for 20 30 bucks, no doubt. Um, yep. You know, I'm a big knife nut. I love knives. Yeah. And I have a bunch of them. I'm always giving them away. I buy one here and I put it in a drawer and then somebody doesn't have a pocket knife. I'm like, hey, here's a pocket knife for you. Um, yeah, but I stay on the low end. The Kershaw's, uh, mm-hmm. stuff, the Buck knives, uh, even like the Spyderco's and stuff like yeah. that. You know, they're pretty decent knives for the money. And you're talking 40, 50, 60 bucks. You can find them. Pardon me, upwards of $100 for a good Spyderco, but you don't have to spend that kind of money to get a good quality knife. But. You know what? I, I've been I've been kind of flirting with the idea because they, I mean, the idea makes sense to me, but it seems cumbersome is the interchangeable blade knives. Mm-hmm. I know that, I mean, it's it's a scalpel. I mean, it doesn't get much sharper than that, but right. do I want to be reloading all the time and have that whole... There's pros and me. cons. I mean, There's pros and cons. I, it's funny. I, I just researched these a couple months ago. I was looking at it like, what, do I? Is it worth it? Because I, yeah. you know, there's a lot of personalities that I follow, and a lot of them use those. And so I took a look at a couple of. There's the top three that are on the market right now, and what are some of the pros and some of the cons. And the biggest issue that I've seen with any one of them is keeping them clean, because yeah. the little track that the blade goes into, the right. handle. They're not easy to clean out. And you know how dirty a knife gets when you start getting busy with it. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, to keep that clean and to keep that out of there, that's tricky. And some of the ways to reload the blades, it's outright dangerous. you got to carry a Leatherman just to change out your blades on some of them. Uh, so some of them change out real easy, but then I'd be afraid it would come out real easy. If you're reaching up in the body cavity of a whitetail or an elk you lose a and scalpel. you come out and your scalpel blade's missing, oh, that makes yeah. for a long afternoon. Yeah. So uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on them yet. Uh, yeah. they, they, but the pros on them are they are just so sharp. Right. You barely got to even, all you got to do is think about cutting that piece of, you know, hide off and it's coming off. Yeah. Um, and you don't have to keep it sharp. You yeah, throw out the blade and you can put a new one on. You know, I, I saw re- Tom Miranda posted something about them and that's mm-hmm. what, that's what kind of got me thinking. I was saying, well, geez, he's, he's skinned quite a few animals. So right, right. It, you know, it, he must be onto something here. So yeah. it made me, made me consider that. Aldo's, Aldo wants to say something about Tom Miranda. Yeah, <laughs> he's a fan. Yeah. He's a fan. But, uh, yeah, there's a couple of them out there. Kershaw makes a good one. Um, there's uh, there's a real uh, 
is it they make the piranha or something? I can't think of the name of it. But there's a couple of them out there that are real, uh, the big ones in the industry. And again, pros and cons. You know, you got to weigh it out. You know, we're in a bit of a disposable world. You know what I mean? And yeah. I, uh, I, I, I like to sharpen my knives. I like to take care of my knives. It's just more of like a, I wouldn't call it a hobby, but it's just the the whole action of taking care of it and sharpening it and taking and cleaning it and putting it away. It's kind of a big deal for yeah. me. I enjoy it. That's yeah. how I was brought up. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's all in, you know, it, it, it's all in how, what you're used to and what you're accustomed to. And uh, yeah, the disposable blade things, I'm just not sold on them yet. I was really all in. I was like, I'm going to get one, but which one do I get? And then I started doing the research on it. Uh, I'm I'm that guy that I will not buy anything until I watch 15 YouTube videos. Yeah, yeah. To, to make sure I'm and getting what I thing, want. That's the thing. I... I I wish more companies would do it is get a really good quality camera and get some good videos of their products up yeah. close. Especially these companies now like like Kuyu that they you can't go try their stuff on and you can't right. feel it and you can't see what it is. They should have videos like super close up, zoomed in, yeah. you know, 4K videos. You yeah, know, that's because what sold it, me on the Numa deal was the amount of videos that they had. Now it was manufacturer videos. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they actually did it themselves, yeah. which is a pro and a con. You know, it's pro because you get a good close-up look at what you're dealing with. But the downside is it's really not a, you know, it's a little bit one-sided. <laughs> They're definitely going to want to talk up the product. Right, right. Um, and I, I know Kuyu does have some videos out there. And yeah. I think, I mean, I, I've been poking around on their website quite a bit. And they, they, they do a pretty good job zooming in so you could almost see what the fabric's going to feel yeah, like. That's the biggest the thing for me. Like, I, I need to know what it's going to feel like. That's I, it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's hard. I mean, if they can compare it, like this is the fabric we use, and you could say, okay, well, I've, I, I'm familiar with that fabric because I owned a uh, a Nomad vest or something like mm-hmm. that, and, and you know, the, the inside material is similar or something. But um, yeah, it's 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 tough, man. Really, to commit to something that's going to come, you know, that much money coming out of your pocket that you've never laid hands on. Yeah. So I think we actually went over that. Um, yeah. Last one too. That might have been the second half, though. So yeah. I, think we're safe. I, I can't remember, <laughs> but. Uh... Yeah, I, I think we pretty much touched on everything we talked about in the first half. Mm-hmm. So we could probably wrap this up and it should tie in. I think that we we actually ended the first half last time talking about the one piece of gear that we right, right. always keep in our packs. And I think I said it was pretty much the, just my buck knife. Your buck knife? I think you're talking about a call, a buck grunt Yeah, the call. Primos call, yeah. the, the buck roar. But I think we get... That's kind of how we transition into the second half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, <laughs> this is a sloppy transition at the end of this podcast, but I mean, a little bit. But we didn't want to let it slide. We, we I, I couldn't. I couldn't let that second half of the podcast just go to waste. Right, especially right. I had the whole thing. So no, it was cool. I, I enjoyed talking about everything uh, we went over because it was again, it, it just refreshed a couple things, and we came up with some new stuff that uh, we didn't talk about last time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I think it was pretty valuable uh, information. So yeah. So we'll wrap this one up here, and we will tie this together, and hopefully it meshes right in. So. We'll take a break and then come back with the second half.
we go. Yep, we're back. All right, I'm recording. We're back after it now. Um, let's talk about uh, what we're drinking today. This is, a, this is a really good beer. I know a lot of people wait for this all year. Uh, I don't know if, because you, you brought it up the other day to me, and I don't think you realized I was like such a fanboy of no, it. No, no, I thought I was being slick. I'm like, <laughs> hey, check it out. I found this new beer because I'd never seen it before until just this season. Really? And I'm like, all right, I'm gonna grab the, I'm gonna grab a six pack of this, and I'm gonna surprise Mark. I'm like, yeah, check out this new beer, and he's like, yeah, check out my T-shirt, my uh, Pilsner glasses. <laughs> Dork. I was like, okay, fail. But <laughs> no, yeah, it's not rightfully so. It's good, man. It's an amazing beer. Once a year, Trogues Nugget Nectar. Just uh, it's it's an IPA. The uh, it's it's a, a little bit of a more bitter beer. The IBUs are higher on it. Yeah, but you know, just like most of the IPAs, we drink packs punch seven and a half percent. Indeed, but it's it's also very smooth. But my favorite part of this beer is the color of this. Yeah, it it's almost like, looks like it should be like a caramel flavor. It's perfect. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's a, it's a really good beer. Nice and frothy. I love that. On a beer, good, good foamy head, but it's. Uh, I think the the big uh, flavor accent of this is mango, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, not sure. Is that what they said? I don't know. I you know I was really excited because at this point now I I go and I take a look at the wall of beers, and uh, I'm like, what's got the uh, what's got the coolest label? I'm gonna grab one of those. Yeah, and, pine. Uh, Resin and mango. Yeah, how about that? If you read Explosion the Explosion of pine, resin, and mango. Yeah. And Interesting. I, I love that piney flavor in a beer, just like uh, the dogfish head. Yes, the, the, uh, was the Pennsylvania tuxedo. tuxedo. Yeah. yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, we're going to have to have that uh, for the next podcast because you're not going to be able to get oh. that soon. No, yeah, you're that's right. It's going to be gone. You're right. So. Uh, yeah, that was good. You turned me on to that one too. Yeah. And it's funny, I called my wife and asked her to pick some up for me. She she thought I was joking that it was called <laughs> Pennsylvania Tuxedo. Yeah. It's a great name uh, for a great beer. It really is. It's good. So, yeah, big fan of this now. So, I'm going to be grabbing another six of this uh, shortly, this Nugget Nectar. Yeah. Uh, from Trogues. Have you ever been down to Trogues? No. Oh, man, you got to go. I've heard it's great. It is. It is. They have food cool. there too, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah good food. Yeah. The, that's, that's the one thing I've heard the food is. Phenomenal. It's high-end food in a cafeteria-style <laughs> atmosphere. It's down in Hershey, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, my wife and I went down with a cu- another couple, uh, my friend Chris Stone and his, his girlfriend Andrea, and we went down and stayed at a uh, bed and breakfast down there. Nice. Another cool thing you should really do. It's a great, great place down there. Really cool. I'll, I'll talk to you about the bed and breakfast <laughs> another time. That's a whole other ball game. But we decided we're going to go down there, hit Trogues for lunch, and we pecked out a really cool restaurant down there, really nice restaurant. We just went down, had lunch. Went, uh, checked out the bed and breakfast, uh, went out and had a few drinks, went to dinner, came back, and it was a really good night away. A little nice. weekend uh, kind of jaunt down to Hershey. But, yeah, Trogues is really cool. Uh, it's big. Is it? It's big. You can go on the tours, like the brewery tours and stuff. Um, but they have a huge bar, huge tasting room, uh, big restaurant. Like uh, It's a little loud in there for yeah. sure, but yeah. it's it's cool atmosphere. Cool nice. atmosphere. Yeah, highly recommend getting down there and checking that out right in Hershey. Out. Yeah, I'll travel for good beer, for sure. Definitely worth it. But um, something we were talking about a little bit uh, when we had the mics off that I thought was really interesting. I don't know a whole lot about it, and I know it's that one quality of a bow that everyone looks at. Yeah, indeed. The, oh, the, the, the IBO. The IBO speed, yes. And, you know, people see it 
creeping up and getting a little higher and I don't know what it is and just freak out about it. It's everyone's a speed freak. Yeah. But you started explaining yeah. exactly how IBO works and the ratings on it, and uh, I think you should definitely fill us in on exactly what that is. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, tactic, I guess, is the best way to put it, uh, the IBO. Uh, International Bow Hunters Organization is what IBO stands for. And it's pretty much a, a, a large group of uh, archery manufacturers got together years ago, um, and they decided that they were going to set standards on how they were going to test their bow equipment uh, so that they can assess speeds, okay? And there's really two different trains of thought. There's uh, ATA and IBO. Uh, ATA, if I'm not mistaken, was the uh, Archer, Archery Trades Association. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a different way of doing it, a more realistic way of doing it. But first, I'm going to, because again, a lot of people might not know this, and I'm, a, again, gearhead, gear nut, and I worked in pro shops and stuff and, and spent time talking to manufacturers, and that's how I came across this information. And uh, it, you know, it could be beneficial to you guys who are looking at bows, and you can understand the IBO a little bit better. Um, with IBO, the specifications are you can shoot an 80-pound bow uh, plus or minus 2 pounds. So it could be 78 or 82 pounds. With the, with the ATA, it's 70 pounds plus or minus 0.2. So it could be 69.8 or 70.2. So that's the big, that different difference in weight alone is going to obviously make a faster bow. Most of us shoot 60 to 70 pound bows. We don't shoot 80-pound bows, bows unless we're Cam Haynes or Joe Rogan. Right. I mean, those guys shoot 80-pound bows because they can. Um, you know, when you're looking at grain weight, you know, you have uh, five grains per pound. Five grains per pound. Yes, five grains per pound. Um, so if you're shooting a 70-pound bow, uh, you're looking at a 350-grain arrow. Uh, so you're shooting with an 80-pound bow, IBO, it's a 400-grain arrow. So it's a little bit different. So you get a heavier arrow, but at 80 pounds, um, it's going to actually shoot that arrow a lot faster. And with ATA, it's a 30 inch draw, 30, yes, 30 inch draw limitation. So you can only have a 30 inch draw for that bow. With IBO, there is no limit. So you can draw a 33 inch bow at 82 pounds, yeah. bare shaft with no fet, no veins, and you're going to get 340, 350, 360 feet yeah. per second. So it's definitely, uh, what's what's the word? Um, deceiving. Exaggerated. <laughs> exaggerated, deceiving, yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I never liked it because, you know, uh, it, it sets unrealistic expectations because a guy goes out and buys a bow that's labeled for 340 feet per second, right. and he's getting yeah. 305. Maybe. Yeah, and can't yeah. figure out why. Yeah. And now it's like, well, you said I was going to get this, and uh, no, I didn't say that. I'm selling right. you the bow. The yeah. manufacturer said that. Right. But it puts a, a certain level of distrust mm-hmm. um, in the eyes of, of the consumer. Um, so the ATA, the way they do it, I think it's only Darton and Hoyt who really subscribe to that. Uh, more that, accurate. Yeah. Um, they're more accurate. Yeah, so if sure. they tell you it's 325 feet per second, you're probably going to get about 315 to 318, somewhere in that area. Yeah. Because, again, most of these guys are shooting raw shaft. Right. So no veins, no broadheads, nothing mm-hmm. that. That's always – anything you add is going to slow that arrow down. Sure. Uh, if you add a peep sight to your string, it's oh, going to yeah. slow it down. Yep. If you add a whisk, the, the, the what do you call it, the uh, cat whiskers, you know what I mean? Yeah. Those are kind of old school. Yeah. Um, but the string silencers, you know, yeah. 
that's going to slow it down. That's why they're all going to the string stoppers now. Right. Um, so you can still silence the settling of the string. Elites without... have those built in, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of cool tricks that have come along. But, yeah, I just thought the IBO topic versus ATA uh, would be some valuable information, especially if you're shopping for a bow, about setting some real expectations on the equipment. Yeah. Because uh, that IBO thing, I've never cared for it because yeah. it's, it's it's unrealistic. It, it's you know? scary that that's what people are looking at, yet I guarantee 90% of people don't understand what it actually is. No. and uh, it's... My, See, and my only expectation of the IBO was, okay, it, it's high, and I know I'm not going to be anywhere near that. I just right. know it. So, mm-hmm. you know. It's what the capabilities of the bow is. Right. And t- there is some truth to that. I mean, yeah. there it is capable. Otherwise, yeah. they couldn't put that out there. But, you know, is it realistic? Not necessarily. I mean, is it right. even close to realistic? You know, right. Not not really. Yeah. It's um, good information, though. But, you know, if you, it, you, it, you look at a bow that says 360 feet per second versus one that says 320 feet per second, well, even in everyday realistic standards, the 360 is going to be faster than the 320, right. you know, because you're still looking at a right. similar drop. So, you know, in, in a sense, it's a good gauge to how fast the bow is going to be, but, you know, just don't expect to get, you know, was it PSE had one that was 360 feet per second? Uh, Bowtech had one last year, right? Did they? I the, at, RPM I, 360 or yeah. something, I think it was. Okay, well, I, I I went down to, uh, to Dave's and I shot that bow, and it was ridiculous yeah that was, you, they they stopped making it because the cams were bananas yeah and i mean they were shaped like bananas yeah. <laughs> and it was just the most ridiculous draw cycle yeah it was insane yeah and then, uh, and then it was loud yeah. and i think that was the, they were just chasing that crowd that was obsessed with that number and that's it you know? i mean i remember i mean i worked in a pro shop when they were chasing 300 right you know when it was like 200 and this is ibo Mm-hmm. You know, and it was like they're 297. They're almost there. And then uh, I think Hoyt put out one that was 301 or 302 IBO. And right. the place went crazy. You know, the crowd went wild. Mm-hmm. And But, you know, realistically, you weren't getting that. But right. no one cared because yeah. they broke that 300, 300. mark. You know, yeah. so. But, you know, it's not just archery. You know what I mean? There's mm-hmm. a lot of uh, genres out there, a lot of markets that will uh, bend the numbers a little bit just to make theirs better than the next guy's. Yeah, it's bottom line. It's all about numbers. Yeah, yeah. But hopefully that helps shine a light on what that actually means and uh, how it applies to real life, if you will. Yeah, that's good information. And and that's something I I really didn't know a lot about. So I think that 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 could definitely help somebody who's in the market right now for a bow. Uh, Another thing we talked about was... uh, we started getting into what we used last season. Yeah. And maybe yeah. we'll do a little rundown there because, you know, this is the gear episode. Indeed. So, like I said, I've been using, uh, I've been shooting an Expedition Eccentric for the past three years I've, since 2015. I got it in 2014 at the end of the year, and that's what I hunted with 2015, 16, and 17. Like I said, love the bow. You know, really fast bow, accurate. Can't can't really, I really can't say enough about it. That was a, that's a, it's a great bow. So, I've been, I've my my equipment's been pretty standard for, since the, since I got my eccentric, right. pretty much same. I've been wearing the same clothes. You know the. I don't think I really have anything new. Uh, the one thing that you asked in the first half of the podcast, the one thing that's always in my bag, and I th- I thought of it now. Uh, Rattling antlers, and the Primos Buck Roar. Congrats, uh, you, yeah. That that's 
for me, I think that's the best grunt tube out there. It has a volume, mm-hmm. and that's I think that's what you need. If you if if you got a, a deer, you know, two hundred yards away, you know, your typical little grunt tube, he's not going to hear it. Right. This thing you could you could give it some oomph and get yeah. it out there, and it's intimidating. It has the snort wheeze on it, which is super important. I use that a lot. You see the the one uh, encounter video. I, I uh, snort wheezed at that deer, and you know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. It scares some of them, but if the deer is intimidated, it means there's a bigger one in the area. Right, right. So that's why and you know, it tells you something. You know, like you said, yeah. that's the whole point of the encounters right. series was learn something about. Right, right. But yeah, rattling antlers. We we had a little discussion on that. Mm-hmm. I'll I'll take them with me in the early season. I won't rattle blind if if I see some deer out in the field. I'll or, and, you know, a buck across a field somewhere, I'll give it a shot, just tickle them together. Because early in the season, they're kind of at that, uh, in that mode still where they're kind of playing around. They're and they, testing each other yeah. a little bit, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think it's good to have them. It can't hurt, you know. Right. So, yeah, definitely the, the buck roar, though. I've been a longtime advocate of that. Yeah, so. I have to take a look at those, yeah. We, 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 uh, we've been talking about trying to put together our own grunt, grunt tube uh, this off season and see if we can make something that sounds decent. Uh, but I use it's this old uh, night and hail standard, you know, nothing magical, uh, regular grunt tube. I used that. I was using rattle bag, loved it. Yeah, the rattle bag was cool. It wasn't as authentic as I would have liked it to be, but it was compact. It was easy to carry. It was easy to use. Um, and then I lost the damn thing, <laughs> as I do so many pieces of my gear. Um, so now I have an old pair of sheds that I use. Um, that they sound awesome. Mm-hmm. They're tougher to transport and tougher to, you know, kind of carry with yeah, me. That's but the only downside of them. Yeah, I've, I figured out a way to strap them on myself and my pack yeah. to where I'm not poking myself one yeah. and two. Mine kind of mold to the pack. Yeah, that's yeah, kind of how down. I did it. I, I did a paracord sling for them, yep. and it just makes it easier. Um, but, yeah, love love the rattling amps because they it, it, it took me having to lose what I used all the time to use what I should have been using else. the whole time. You know what I mean? Which is the, you know, that same thing you, you get, you get in, in a rhythm and you get used to something that you want to step outside your comfort zone. That's. Yeah. Uh, yeah that's, that's it. Just, and, and that's what I did. Now I'm glad I did because they do sound so much better. Yeah. And especially if you just want to do some light rattling, you're just kind of touching them. That's yeah. all you got to do. And they're, they're a good size shed. So they carry some volume. Yeah. Um, that, uh, yeah, the, uh, the can, I love the bleak can. Yeah, uh, I love that thing. Uh, I don't use it very often. I though. might, I might have to get back into it. You know, I, I, I told you about that story where I saw a deer run from it one time, but that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was, you know, I've called deer uh, doe in rather. Yeah. I've shot doe over the over the can. You know, I mean, it works yeah. great for both. Um, love that thing. Um, let me see. Some of the new gear I started using was I switched uh, to Black Eagle arrows. Okay. Uh, I shoot the carnivores, and they're really nice. I really like them. Um, can't say a bad thing about them. What uh, what were you shooting before? I was shooting Easton Hex. Okay. Uh, so relatively similar in grade level cost. Uh, the Hexes were a lot more expensive, actually. Mm-hmm. I think they were probably about 40 bucks more a dozen. Eastons are kind of pricey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's one thing I'm not going to uh, – is uh, skimp on his arrows. I, yeah. I, it's in the back of my brain. If I got a good arrow, I'm confident. Um, almost to a fault at times, I guess. But yeah. uh, that's one thing that I'm I'm really I'm okay with spending money on his arrows. Um, but yeah, I like the Black Eagles, and I tried the. Uh, I was a Rage guy. I was using Rages forever, 
Um, and then I switched over to the Wackums. I wanted to try them out. They were intriguing. I liked the way they opened. I never had a problem with rages, but I know a few guys who have. Yeah. And I started to kind of get a little leery of it. Yeah, they have that stigma now. It's... A little bit, yeah. Um, and again, I, I never had a problem with them personally, but I just want I, I saw the way that the mechanicals worked. Um, and now I'm, I'm going back to fixed blades for next season. But uh, Interesting, because I, I am too. And yeah. uh, I was always a huge advocate of mechanicals. And I've been shooting the same mechanical mm -hmm. since since they came out with them. The uh, Rocket Broadheads, the Sidewinders. Yep. Just the three blades that mm -hmm. drop out with the rubber band. I've heard things about, uh, what do they call it, the, the, like, the pole vaulting effect, mm -hmm. where if you're shooting at an angle that one of those blades can actually catch the skin mm -hmm. and open. Yeah. And as it opens, it kind it's of pole vaults your arrow. Your arrow. Yeah. I've never seen it happen. I mean, I I don't even know if you would know that it would happen. I, I kind of feel like that's – even if it did, are you, you going to miss completely? Probably not. That, that's going to come down to arrow weight, though. I mean, that's yeah. gonna, arrow weight will have a big uh, impact on how that happens. If you have a heavy arrow, on, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. You know, if you're shooting a super light, like sub 400, like 350, 360 grain arrow, you might have a problem. But, um, you know, you'd have to shoot – mechanicals at that rate anyway because a fixed blade is going to steer a light arrow all over the place anyhow yeah so you're going to have a tuning nightmare yeah and uh that was kind of always my thing with the mechanicals was that i never shot them didn't have to you know right it, it was like shooting your practice tips yeah yeah and i felt more confident shooting that broadhead that has never cut anything you know because you got like virgin blades yeah yeah pretty much but last year, you know, I actually had some of my my blades break and they snapped and they, I don't know. I just think it might be time to uh, go back and see what's going on in the fixed market. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh, we kind of had a little discussion about the solid broadheads. Yeah. Which yeah. is kind of what I've been leaning towards. Yeah. They're, uh, they're, they're expensive for a reason. They are expensive broadheads. Uh, most broadheads are expensive anymore. Yeah, uh, but those are particularly uh, high price. But it, there's S30 V steel, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. which is bulletproof. Yeah, I super mean, strong. Yeah, you can shoot through a whole bunch of steel barrels and take it out and shoot a hog, and without even sharpening the blade. I mean, yeah. they're insanely durable. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, I wouldn't be afraid to shoot one of those into the dirt and pull it out and just throw it right back on the bow again. Yeah, and, and that's uh, that's the thing with the the, the rockets, the sidewinders. They were kind of one and done. I've replaced <laughs> blades on them, but that chisel tip. Yeah. That thing's gonna go. It's gonna go quick. Yeah, they, they, it's it's all in this the type of steel. Not, not, there's only a few broadheads out there that will actually temper right. properly mm -hmm. uh, the the ferrule, and that's where the make or break is. Uh, and even like some of the uh, I think uh, Wacom used to make a red aluminum ferrule, and right. uh, they used to bend like hell. I yeah. mean, they would bend all the time. Uh, so they get went to the steel and they actually tempered the steel. Which is great. I mean, you wouldn't notice it. And I mean, the price difference didn't change for it should have been a much more expensive broadhead. Uh, so I, I was attracted to that. So yeah. I tried the steel broadheads and um, I unfortunately didn't shoot a deer with one. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. Um, they flew nice, I got to say. Um, didn't have any problems with them there. Yeah. But I didn't get a really good accurate test. I mean, you don't know until you shoot an animal with it how it's going to act. 
So, but I didn't get a chance, but I really want to go back to the fixed blades and I really like Wacom's fixed blades. Yeah. I got a set for my buddy for his crossbow mm -hmm. and I just threw them on my arrows. Just the same, same. It's yeah. it, they're, you know, the only thing is says crossbow on the package. Honestly, yep. it's about the only difference. Um, but it was the three blade and I shot them out of my bow and they were darts. And I didn't change anything on my bow. I didn't have to tune anything. Nice. And they were consistent to where I shaved the fletching right off my arrow. My nice. arrow, I was like, oh, now i got to refletch an arrow. Yeah. But I didn't think they were going to hit that close. That's good. So I'm I'm pretty much, if, if I go to fixed blades, I'm probably going to go to those. The uh, they're 100 grain, three blade. Yeah. Real thick blades. I, I, I'm i a big fan of them. Uh, so I'm going to try those out. But uh, Did you uh, get to look at any broadheads on at the, the outdoor show? No, I, I really, there really weren't a lot. I was surprised. The, the only broadheads that were down there, honestly, were um, guys who were down there selling, like um, Weaver's Archery. That's a big archery shop. Oh, okay. Uh, Weak-necked Archery it was down there. So they were selling broadheads, but Muzzy wasn't there. It was really, uh, uh, it was really kind of strange how it was laid out. There was a lot of really new product vendors there, like guys you haven't heard of, companies right. you didn't hear of uh, in the past. You're some of your old standbys, but again, a lot of the big names were in the the firearm hall, right? Because okay. it's an NRA event, you know. Yeah. You, all of your you know Magpoles, your Remingtons, your right. you know Colt, all those guys, Taurus, they're all down there. But um, one of the names I've I've been seeing going around social media quite a bit lately is this Thorn Broadhead. Have you heard of this? I have. Yep. I have. Yeah. Did you get to? Were they I down don't there? know much about them. It's really new, right? Yeah. It's. Uh, in fact, I think the, I'm, you might have posted. Did you post something about it, or did you tag I, something on it? I, yeah. I might have seen something yeah, that was affiliated with you. Yeah, yeah, that's where I saw it. I uh, I commented on something. I think mm -hmm. I might have tagged you in it just because I knew you were headed down there. But uh, yeah, all the blades are hidden in within the broadhead. It, it it's an interesting concept. A lot of mechanics in it, though. Mm -hmm. That they they say it's fail proof, but I mean. It's mechanical. How could you not <laughs> say that, you know, about a product yeah. that you're you're trying to sell? But uh yeah, they look interesting, but I, I do think that I might switch to uh I, I think I'm definitely gonna make the switch to, yeah, to fix I, this year. And I'm just gonna make the effort to tune better just yeah. so I'm confident because I don't shoot at animals past 30 yards. Right. I just don't. I mean, I might take a 40 yard at a turkey if he's not looking my way. Yeah. <laughs> but right. I'd never shoot at a. I'd never shoot at a deer. They just react differently. Yep. Uh, so I have my own limitations. So I'm not worried about dialing my broadheads in to shoot tight groups at 70 yards. Don't need to. Right. Um, so I'm I'm comfortable. But I just want to take the effort and make sure I tune right. That's the trick with fixed blades. Yeah. Is your arrow and your tuning. Yeah. See, that's. That's going to be my thing as, I, as I'm, you know, starting to plan some trips. I, I want to be able to shoot, you know, a little further. If yeah. I go out for elk in September, I, I'm going to want to be able to take a longer shot. Oh, know? yeah. Well, that's different. You're out there, you know, hunting uh, a whole different ball game. Yeah. When you're out there in Colorado and, you know, yeah. Midwestern hunting, it's, uh, yeah, you got to be able to shoot 60, 70 yards. Yep. Um, around here, you can't even see a deer. They're 70 yards yeah. away from you. Yeah. I mean, I, I hunt a lot of a lot of field edges yeah. I, I get some longer shots okay and i've been confident the last couple of years with that expedition i really have i mean i shoot 75 80 yards all the time yeah. so a 50 yard shot you know under the right circumstances i, I will take mm -hmm. but you know is it, it it all depends on the situation sure and you know i've got some some footage in the new film that you know it, it's going to get some <laughs> some flack some blowback i think i know what you're talking about yep but 
We'll we'll see what happens when when that's out. Speaking of though, I'm getting pretty close to finishing that. So that's great, man. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing the finished product. Like yeah, uh, and I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one uh, that's you know anxious to see it. But uh, you know, like like you said before, you know, there's always going to be somebody that's yeah. going to say something about mm-hmm. something. So yep. you just got to throw it out there, man. And it's all about putting yourself out there and and committing to it. So uh, you know, more power to you. Appreciate it. Um, so you said you shot Black Eagles yeah. last year. Um, I've been shooting Easton Bowfires for right, the last right. three years. Love them. Yeah. It's the most accurate arrow I've ever shot. That's awesome. I, I shot gold tips for the longest time. I had the, you know, the 10 Nugent zebra stripe gold sure, tips. Sure. I think they're, those are were gold tips. It's pretty much always been gold tips. And mm-hmm. I, I never really had any reason to switch. And then the, the one year I just I saw them and it was the year that I I bought my expedition, and I bought a you know my expedition is snow camo and I I just my my they caught my eye the bow fires they're yeah, the white yeah. arrows and I I looked at them and Dave kind of sold me on them, and I tell you what man they're accurate arrows, but if it works for you man that's that's the ticket if you're yeah. comfortable with it and you know you, it gives you that that confidence that little bit you don't have to think about in the back of your head every time you draw your bow. Man, that's golden. Yeah. The only thing that's making me want to switch is I, I think I want to move to a to some more weight. Yeah. You know, put a little more kinetic energy behind the arrow. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that. Um, I usually, like, I switched over to the, the Black Eagles from the Easton. And without um, shooting a hybrid arrow, like the, the aluminum carbon, like mm-hmm. the, the, you know, the full metal jackets or the – there was a couple of companies that had different ones out. But um, without shooting that um, – shooting a carbon i like to stay anywhere from 10 to 12 grains per inch it's kind of hard to find a 12 grain per inch carbon arrow um yeah. so you know without getting over 30 inches long and you know it, it's it's a little tricky but uh yeah around 10 11 is is where you're going to stay i mean you can find them that are like seven eight grains per inch yeah they're going to come out they're going to come screaming off your bow but again you're going to run into tuning issues if you're shooting yeah. fixed blades uh or what what type of veins are you shooting at all plays a part you know mm-hmm. uh if you're shooting two inch little blazer veins on a you know a 7.8 grain per inch arrow yeah. and you put a big fixed blade 125 grain on the front of it man good luck yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah you're gonna, gonna be, be chasing those arrows all over the place flying all over uh, yeah so you know it, it's about making wise decisions in your equipment to for a final outcome you know for the end game i had that that issue actually back in the day with uh the steel force broadheads yeah that it was you know i we were a couple days away from archery season and we just my dad you know finally decided you know put them on there take a couple shots with them Mm -hmm. and they were just sailing all over the place and we didn't have the time that's why I made the switch to mechanicals. We yep. bought a couple of rockets. And that's where and that's where a lot of people go get into mechanicals because they don't have the time to, like to do the tuning. Yeah. And that's it. And I, I'm the same way. I had some issues with my bow, and um, I had to. I, I was glad I, I was able to get to the, some mechanicals in time and start shooting them, and they shot great yeah. because I didn't have the tuning issues. So I, I should. I'm hoping to get my bow back soon. It's still in the shop, but once I do. Uh, that's when I start doing the tuning game, which is kind of fun for yeah. if you are kind of into the gear stuff and you're a gearhead, playing and tweaking all the time is kind of almost a hobby. Where where's your bow at right now? Up is at the Hunter's Gallery. It's Hunter's Gallery. Yeah, it's at Hunter's yeah. Gallery. I got shop get, now there. I got to get out there. And, it's a cool know, place, man. I got to cool I got to shoot a couple Hoyts. They're old school up there. Yeah, yeah. Had a little hiccup there. 
one of the mics stopped recording, so <laughs> we had to make a little adjustment. There we go. Yeah, we're back on track. All right. So, like we were saying, what were we saying? We were talking about uh, different gear and uh, the uh, the changeover I made in my clothing, in my uh, system there. All right. Um, and uh, it's probably the best uh, changeup I made uh, yeah. last year. And I went from uh, a, kind of a menagerie of different articles of clothing from uh, a scent blocker jacket to some like Rocky pants and that kind of thing. And I just had like a, you know, a couple different pieces of clothing that I liked, but there was no real rhyme or reason to it uh, outside of it being camouflaged. That was about the only thing it had right. in common with each other. Um, but the... Uh, I started to do some research because anybody who has hunted second season in Pennsylvania knows yeah. how cold it gets. Yeah. And uh, I really started getting big into hunting second season. I uh, started to realize the potential uh, that was there uh, for, you know, getting a, a nice buck or even just filling up the, your doe tags at, at the end of the year. And um, I'm like, all right, I, I'm, I'm tired of freezing my tail off. I really need to do something here and, and get something a little more stout for when I'm out in those cold days. Right. And uh, so I started doing some research and I looked at all the big guys, you know, the <clears throat> the first lights, uh, Sitka's, uh, you know, the Nomads. And there was uh, about six different companies I looked at. And one of them was a, a company that's relatively new uh, called Numa. Mm-hmm. It's uh, P-N-U-M-A, Numa. And uh, I started to kind of look at some of their stuff and I was pretty impressed by it. But... Um, you know, with Sitka and First Light and those guys, I was able to go to the store, pick up a jacket, throw it on, test it, stretch out a little bit in it, and uh, and see how it felt. And you know, because some of these, especially the Sitkas, right? I mean, they're no joke, man. That's yeah. that's a lot of money to be putting out yeah. for a, a system. I don't get it. I just I just don't get it. I mean, that that incinerator jacket that they have out now is starts at seven hundred dollars yeah something like that yeah yeah I if it doesn't cook me dinner see. and drive me to my hunting spot <laughs> yeah I, I mean how can you imagine a jacket being <laughs> worth four hundred dollars more and actually proving itself than a three hundred dollar jacket yeah yeah no i a know a gentleman i know i know I a mean, guy who's got an incinerator jacket and he swears it's the it, it keeps him warm and i'm sure it does um, but I just, I can't go that route, man. I just don't have the, uh, the capacity to throw 700 bucks at a jacket. Um, right. so, so it, it very well may be worth the 700 and I, I don't really know. Um, I looked at some of their, uh, stuff they have, like we have a field and stream close to us. We're fortunate to have a really cool, uh, field and stream and they carry first light. They carry Sitka, they carry Nomad, they carry those brands. So you can actually get there and, and get your hands on them. Um, what I was really hesitant with Noma, with um, sorry, with Numa, is uh, you can't do that. It's direct to consumer, yeah, uh, sales. So um, I was pretty convinced that I was going to go this route, and uh, just based on some of the reviews I read on it and what research I could do on the materials, and you know, if I'm going to put out a lot of money on something, I'm going to make sure that I know what I'm putting my money on, and right. I'm like a researcher. I'll research everything on YouTube and as many articles as I can read on it. Um, and I, honestly, there's not a whole lot out there on Numa. No, it's pretty new. Yeah. And I think what a lot of people don't realize is that Numa is run by the same people that used to run Scentblocker. Right, right. Same same company, essentially, just, you know, new look and more innovative gear, kind of, you know, they've adapted, you know. What happened recently is that 
scent lock bought out scent blocker mm-hmm. and just you know eliminated some competition scent lock got a got some money in their pocket now with all the you know I think there was a big lawsuit over false advertisement and you know I remember that, the yeah. percentage of odor and it was all nonsense man it, it really was because it it's clothing yeah know? but either way it was, it was all about eliminating competition and it was nasty you know mud slinging mm-hmm. type of situation I remember when that was going on yeah yeah uh, the the outcome didn't didn't leave a very good taste in my mouth so it's just, which is one of the reasons why I'm looking for something new now. I've definitely considered Numa. I, I'm I'm gonna look around though, but I know all the people who work over at Numa, really good people. And if their customer service is the same, then they're they've pretty much got the best in the industry as, as yeah. far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean that was one thing that I was really impressed by was their customer service because I had to return some stuff. Because uh, again, when you're ordering something without putting your hands on it, mm-hmm. the odds are pretty good you're gonna have something that doesn't fit right. But honestly, of all the stuff I ordered, and I ordered quite a bit. Uh, the gloves were honestly the only thing that didn't fit right. I ordered a size large. I was hesitant to order them at the at the time I ordered them, but you know, Newman's very specific in how they want you to measure yourself for their clothing right. because of the fact that it's you know you don't you can't just go try them on. Right. Um, so they were dead accurate on everything. And I'm a I'm, I'm a tall guy. Uh, I'm a little over six three. I'm about two fifteen. So you know, I'm not a small guy by any means. Um, so I, my big issue is finding pants that aren't drooping off of me that are long enough that they right. don't look like I'm running a flood, you know? Right. So the the pants that I got from them fit me like a T. I mean, everything fit well. Uh, the attention to detail and just the zippers, the button snaps are like rubberized so they don't make noise. I mean, I'm just blown away by the, the attention to detail that I got with them. And I looked at a couple other companies um, and they didn't have the detail that this clothing has and they were way more expensive. So for what I would have paid for a, a jacket and pants from Sitka, I bought an entire system through Numa. Now, you know, they weren't cheap by any means, but they weren't crazy expensive either. And it was right in my wheelhouse as a blue collar guy who has three kids and a mortgage and the car payments right, and all that right, stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? Kind of fits in that that budget without having to hire a divorce lawyer. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm pretty ecstatic about them. I'm really excited. I mean, I want to beat on them a little bit, um, because there's not a lot of reviews out there on them. There's a handful, but a lot of the video review stuff is actually from, is it Scott? Um, who's the gentleman that owns Numa? Um, Scott Schultz. Scott Schultz. There we go. Thank you. I couldn't think of his last name. Mm-hmm. He, he does a couple of really good reviews. Now, granted, he's a little impartial. It's his company, but he does a great job reviewing it, telling you more about what the products are, how they work. Um, so he's very informative in that regard. Um, and I, there's a couple of writers that did some reviews on it. And uh, so I was sold, and uh, I'm glad I went that route. Yeah. Uh, I was out today in crappy weather. Uh, it was about 28 degrees, raining. I was out hunting squirrels before I came over yeah. to see you. And uh, I was, I, I did fine. I was extremely comfortable. Uh, these G, these pants have knee pads in them that are removable, yeah. uh, which is really cool. So uh, they're, they, they work when you need them and you can take them out when you don't need them. Uh, little things like that, little touches that really kind of uh, put me over the top for yeah. it. So good I'm- stuff though. Aldo's being super needy right now. Yeah, he's, he's just he's like hanging all over out, the place. Hanging out with the guys. But uh, yeah, the, the Numa stuff, it's it's intriguing to me. Um, it You could kind of see them following the same business model as Kuyu, mm-hmm. which is w- what I've kind of been leaning towards. I've been thinking about them 
for a while. You mentioned you know, that before, yeah. I, their stuff is just interesting to me. That that they, they have that exact same business model, direct to consumer. So right. it's it's tough, and I, honestly, that's why I've hesitated so long bef- to to buy a piece of their gear. Because, you know, you're looking at it and you're looking at the sizing and I'm like... It's a hard pill to swallow, man. I agonized over it. Yeah. Which size should I get? And should I get the long or the tall or whatever? And and, and I mean, that's good feedback for the company. Yeah. Because it, it, it does make me hesitate about buying it. But I think I am going to give some of their gear a shot this year. Um, it's not really made for the whitetail hunter in cold weather. Right. Really, it's it's like it's mountain it's mountain gear. Yeah, it's yeah. supposed to be light western and, uh, type. But they do have a, a lot of layering, different layering systems, and a, a lot of it's merino wool and ultra wool and all this. So once I d- you know dive into it a little bit more, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll make a decision. But I think I am going to wear some kuyu this this coming season. Yeah, probably uh, I'll wear some more wool. I was thinking about some wool-rich stuff and maybe sure. some LL Bean. And yeah, yeah. Just kind of mix and match and make Kuyu work for a, a whitetail hunter in Pennsylvania. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, I've, I, I know a little bit about the Kuyu brand. I mean, I've seen some people that uh, are kind of touting a little bit, but they're again, they're all Western guys. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of a bleed over now, which I think is really cool into hunting from MMA mixed martial arts yeah there's a lot of guys that are mma fighters uh chad mendez chad mendez yeah yep. he's, he's the kuyu man now yep he does a lot that's that's actually where i saw it he was yeah. doing some kuyu it's um there's a, a youtube channel out now it's a an mma trainer and uh he started a youtube channel it's a hunting channel and he takes all these hunters out oh yeah he does it, it, i'm sorry he takes these mma guys out and hunts with them and uh on, it's it's uh something unleashed Something unleashed, I think it is. I, sure. It's escaping me, but it's a really cool channel. Yeah. He does some really good hunts, and Chad Mendez is one of them. There's a a couple of guys you wouldn't really think if you follow MMA, you wouldn't think, "Wow, these guys are hunters!" And here they are; they're out there decked out in camo with their bows, chasing elk. Yeah, and it's pretty awesome to see that bleed over from that sport. Um, but yeah, so they, they, it seems like it's definitely more of like a Western hunter, uh, you know, high plains type deal. Uh, but yeah, you can make anything work, man, with the right combination. And that's what I found is where it's at is the layering. And that's what's working for me. I sat in some cold conditions this last uh, archery season because it's been a rough year this year. Yeah, We've had some really low temperatures, single digit, sub-zero temperatures this year. And uh, I sat in those temperatures in this gear and I was warm. I yeah. was warm. The only thing that wasn't warm was my feet. Yeah. So that's my next that's thing tough, to tackle. Man. It's tough keeping your feet warm, you know. It really is, man. You know, I'm a big advocate of rubber boots, so that's pretty much all I'll wear. I wear those in turkey season. That's about it. But yeah. I, I, I don't Early like season archery. Maybe yeah. I don't like the heavily insulated ones that make your feet look like Mickey Mouse. Yeah, because it, it's awfully hard to climb a little metal peg. Indeed, you know, in those yeah. in, with those giant boots on. So, I'm a big. Uh, fan of wool socks. I've got yeah. alpaca socks that I wear that are super warm, and then I usually have, like, a moisture-wicking sock that I put on, and my, my feet still get pretty cold. I've, I've even stuffed the the hand warmers down inside the, the boots. Yeah, and... I tried that, too. Uh, they get a little bulky. That's my only problem with those. And I've yeah. talked to a couple guys about the uh, the warming insoles, the battery-operated yeah, insoles. The and thermocells or yep, whatever. And yeah. I've heard not a good thing about them. Yeah, I thought about I I was thinking about buying a, a set of them, 
Yeah. And I, I read all the same stuff. Yeah, you know? I'm thinking about a pair of battery-operated socks. I might try them. I mean, for, they're a lot yeah. cheaper than the thermocells. Those, those thermocell insoles are about 120 130 bucks. Yeah. And uh, I can't risk 130 bucks on something that may or may not work. Might not I'll work, throw 20 yeah. bucks at a pair of battery-operated socks, though. Yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> burn, my, burn, yeah. burn, my, burn my feet right. off. But, um, yeah, yeah. That, it's been it's been a good a good experience with this with this camo and this this gear. Uh, that's probably the best thing I've bought in a long long time uh, for hunting, and and again it was easy to convince my wife because it wasn't as expensive as some of these other brands, you know, and um, and I got I feel like I got just as good quality yeah as I would have if I spent twice as much money. So yeah, I mean all around that's that's a pretty good review I would say of you know if if somebody's on the edge if they're not and that's it i had to overcome that that you know i had to get out of my comfort zone yeah you know and and commit like you know what screw it i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna buy it worst case scenario i'll send it back you know but that takes time and effort and energy but it was uh it in the long run i'm glad i did it yeah you know i'm glad i did it was worth it because it paid off big time i mean i still got to beat on it a little bit so far i'm truly i'm extremely impressed with it um, just keeping me warm, uh, the durability. It has a lifetime guarantee on a warranty on That's, all of it, that alone which is, is huge. Yeah. yeah, so if it wears out, if they can't fix it, they send you a new one. Uh, so that was a big part of my decision in going with them because none of the other companies had that. Right. Um, but, you know, I want to see the durability of it. I mean, one of the cool things I, I, that I found interesting as far as attention to detail was there's a little, whenever you zip up any zippers on anything, there's a little pocket almost like a dock that the zipper will slide into right. so it doesn't bounce around and click yeah that's nice um i like that but i'm waiting to see if they're going to wear out because yeah. that thing i think on any part of the gear that i've had so far i look at it and go that's going to be the part that wears the out zipper yeah so we'll see it may not yeah but um you know i want to beat on a little bit before i do a full-on review on it but so far i'm pleased yeah and that's just it you know you you want to give it a real test i mean there's so mm-hmm. many people who get Buy it, buy a new pair of pants or, or a jacket, and they're on YouTube and they're already reviewing it. I mean, how? That's how, it. How could you yeah. do it? You it's wanna... one thing to give an initial impression on something, but yeah, you can't review anything until you beat the tar out of it. You yeah, know? I, I'm still considering uh, reviewing all the gear that I've used for the past three years. Right. I don't know. I can't speak for the quality of what scent blocker is going to be now. Now right, that it's right. in different hands. I don't even know if they're going to continue making it. So, and that's a tricky situation that you're in there. Yeah, so you know? that's why you know I'm starting to you know explore my options. Right, uh, right. I will say that when um, Scott was running Scentblocker, the the Apex suit that I've been wearing for the past few years was just outstanding. I mean, mm-hmm. and and the thing was, I I was told uh, by somebody that works there that the Apex suit was actually kind of the prototype for numa it was going to be their higher end you know nicer suit that yeah, had yeah. some some newer more innovative features that was the first suit that they had the uh that really good wind blocker material inside it and uh you know it had it had the 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 pocket folds that the zipper goes into yep, yep. and just uh you know the the side zipper stays out of, out of your your neck when you're drawing right. your bow and Loved it. One of the best suits I've ever owned by far. So, I mean, it, I, I can't say enough about that suit either, but I don't know if it'll be the same now. You know what right, I mean? Right, right. Yeah, hopefully I get that kind of uh, sustainability out of what I've got now. I, I would I would wager that you will. I would say if I, yeah, I know I hope those so. guys, you know. Uh, if I have to tell my wife in two years, i got to buy more gear. <laughs> yeah, got to buy a new system. Yeah, sorry, hon. It didn't work out. Yeah, 
But I mean, you might want to do it anyway. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but um, same thing with my bow. I I would I would do a full in depth review on that, but I I don't really think it's gonna get me anywhere. So, right, right, right. So I don't know. Uh, you said you've been shooting the spider. For... Yeah, yeah. I've been shooting the Hoyt spider for a couple of years now. Um, I usually go probably five or six years before I look at a new bow. Yeah. But I shoot my bows a lot. I mean, you know. The average shooter can get 10 years out of a bow without a problem. You'd swap right. out the string and cables a couple times and yep. you're good. Uh, but I shoot a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, in the in the fair weather, four or five days a week I shoot, and uh, I just love it. It's just how I wind down. It's how I start my mornings mm-hmm. or end my nights, however you want to look at it. Uh, so working nights, I'll come home, get the kids off to school. I'll grab a little cup of coffee. I'll go out in the backyard and I'll, sh- I'll shoot a hundred arrows and yeah. before eight o'clock in the morning Yeah, and then I'll go to bed, you know, and, but yeah, I'm one of those guys who can drink coffee and then go to bed, <laughs> but, uh, it helps me wind down. It helps me relax. Yeah. Uh, it's a very Zen practice, you know? And, mm-hmm. uh, so yeah, I shoot a lot. Uh, I used to shoot a lot competitive, but I just don't have the time to do that anymore. I wish I did. Uh, my kids have shown interest in that. So hopefully they'll take to it and it'll give me an excuse to get back into it. Um, yeah, that's 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 a great thing for kids, man. It just uh, again, it's just like having them out in the woods. It's going to teach yeah. them patience. That's it for yeah. sure. You know, and it gives gives them an, it, that competitive edge that they're looking for. I, mean, I was never really much into team sports when I was a kid, yeah. so uh, that's why I really fell for archery because I relied on nobody other than myself, and I was mm-hmm. always trying to beat my last score. So right. that's where the competition lied, was against primarily myself. It's nice to beat other guys that you're in a competition with, but if I was able to do better than I did last time or even come close to what I did last time, I was happy with that. And um, So I think that there's something to be said for that. And uh, So we'll see. I, I, I like to do more competitive shooting, but for now, I'm happy just shooting at a target in my yard, you yeah. know, just to wind down before I go to bed in the morning. But yeah. you know, I have friends that come over and we'll shoot. Um, you know, some buddies of mine have 3D targets in their yards. I'll go over and we'll stand around. It it beats going out to the bar and blowing 60, 70 bucks. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. You know, a little bit more constructive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. But uh, yeah, that was a pretty thorough review. Um, actually, one more thing. You used some Hawk, Hawk products last year? Yeah, yeah. Um, the Hawk Explore stand. Yeah. I got into Hawk stuff. Um, the Explore stand I found was probably best for me. Reason being is it's one of those stands that you put a mount in the tree and you, can move and you just move the stand. Nice. You can put as many mounts around as you want. So it come it came with two mounts and I bought a third. So I can I have a property that I used to hunt years ago, and uh, we like just when we just drove past not too long ago. Yeah, and uh, it's it got kind of changed up quite a bit with a gas drilling operation and whatnot, and they right. were doing the gas drilling and stuff. So uh, I'm relearning the property a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I don't – where I used to hang stands, there's no trees there anymore. Uh, so okay. it's completely different. So um, there's a couple spots that I wanted to hang stands, so I grabbed the Explore stand, I grabbed a couple brackets, and now I can put the brackets in different areas that's and just nice. carry the stand in on my back. I mean, literally, it weighs about 15 pounds. Yeah, that's Super nice. light Real because nice. you're not worrying about the brackets. There's a whole lot less to it. Right. Um, so I can carry that in with me. Uh, the only downside to that is when I am carrying camera gear. Yeah. It's 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 a I'm I'm like a pack mule. Yeah. Going in, but you know I already have my sticks in there, so I don't have to you know carry anything. I have an old climber that I you know busted out last year uh, to start reusing, but it's just too old. It's not safe anymore. So that's why I'm like you know what I need to change it up, and uh, I went with the Hawk Explorer, and man, what a cool stand, and it's comfortable too. Yeah. It's 
uh, they call it a tractor seat. So it's like a plastic seat. Okay, kind of like molded. Yeah, it's like a molded plastic yeah. seat. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. But uh, uh, Teddy Clark from PA Bowhunting, he grabbed one and he swore by it. He's like, it's, it's super comfortable. I really like it. Um, I, you know, I'm like, well, I'm going to give it a shot. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not sorry that I did. And I'll tell you, it's very portable. And that really helped out with figuring that property out. Um, it took me until rifle season to figure it out, but I think I got it pegged again. Yeah. So I had a good start. I was familiar with the layout of the topography, but mm-hmm. you know, like I said, they they knocked a lot of trees down. They cut out some some of the forest there, and uh, they changed up the dynamic of the fields and stuff with some pads that they'd put in for right. machinery. Right. Um, so and I had to kind of relearn it a little bit. And man, that was clutch in, yeah. in being able to be mobile and flexible up there. So yeah. Uh, they make some really cool products, man. Not just stands, but I got one of their uh, bow hangers. Yeah. That thing is awesome. It's nice. super light. It's easy to screw into a tree. Yeah. Um, that was really cool. Um, I got their bow, like one of the things, a bow hoist, pull it up in the tree. Something okay. as simple as that. Yeah. Um, it's just the way they set up the material. It doesn't get all tangled up in your bag and stuff like that. Right. So, I'm, you know, all the little tiny things that you don't think of. Right. Everything from a little clip-on thing for your cell phone to hook it onto your stand yeah. to, um, you know, deer carts to pull your deer out of the woods. Yeah, I mean, I've they, heard that they, they're actually pretty sweet. Yeah, I haven't yeah. seen one. Uh, I'm sorry, I've seen one. I haven't used one. Um, and I've got to put my hands on it. And it's a pretty hefty piece of equipment. So, yeah. It, it'll get a deer out, but you have to get that in to the deer. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, it looks like it worked pretty good. Nice. So they have all kinds of cool products, but yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything else new that I, I really started using um, outside of, you know, some camera gear. Um, you know, I'm starting to get more into filming. Um, Ultra Pro X is a cool action cam that I started using. Right. Really inexpensive version. I started using one of their trail cameras last year. Um Great trail camera for under a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know uh, their action cams are around a hundred bucks. Some of them are under a hundred dollars, and they're just as good quality as the GoPros. And right, because I've, I've had a GoPro, mm-hmm. and I will never buy another GoPro again. Man. No, 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 no. These Ultra Pro Xs are pretty sweet, and they got LCD screens in them. Yeah, so that's a, a leg up on them. Now the 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 Hero Six, that thing is no joke. I don't know if you've seen the Hero Six, the GoPro Hero Six. It's disgustingly clean really oh my goodness yeah it's, no, i haven't looked at any new GoPros it's nice lately. yeah google that man I, I, and... I do want to uh get my hands on the gopro session though that's oh, that, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. their little cube yep that's perfect for the bow for yeah Monet, yeah i'm a big fan of that that angle looking back oh yeah i mean that's that's the best way to film yourself that, that it's hands off you know it's it just yeah it's doing all the work because your bow is pretty much always facing you even if you're on the hanger sure so that always that just works out if you're self-filming so that's why yeah i always try to aim it that way but i would like to be a little bit more versatile with the gopro that i have now yeah there's a there's a billion ways to hook them up now yeah. uh everyone's making and that's the thing that the ultra pro x is the exact same design and size as the gopro so any accessories you have for a gopro works with the ultra pro x right which i thought was cool because it makes me it makes it flexible to find so the parts you, the only thing that would steer me towards the gopro still is that i have uh, the remote for it oh, so yeah, yeah. if i want to start them all simultaneously mm-hmm. It's not going to work if I have an Ultra Right, right, Pro, right. You know? Yeah, the Ultra Pro X, depending on the model you get, they come with a little wristband yeah, remote, remote control, yeah. but it won't work the GoPro, obviously. No. 
Um, but yeah, they're pretty cool. Um, I had a JVC Addiction, which is a little action cam. Okay. And I had that. It was perfect because it had a side mount threading. Oh, okay. So I was able to thread it on my bow and face me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it fell off my bow last season. Oh, I yeah, lost you were it. telling me you yeah, lost it. Yeah, I'm so mad, You'll man. probably find it someday. I hope so. I was going to look for it today. I was up at that property, but yeah, with, with the, the snow, snow and ice yeah. we've got, I'll never find it. So hopefully in the spring, I'll take a walk and track it down. Uh, but yeah, that was not a cheap camera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to have it fall off my bow Yeah, some of the bummer. name brand uh, action cameras I know are pretty good. Sony makes a nice one. JVC, like you said. Yep. I think Canon has a, a little action cam too. I should probably look into because maybe I'm not familiar with, the, with that one. I know the I know the other ones we spoke about, but I, I'm not familiar with the Canon one. But you know, I I, I want to get another one on my bow. The thing is that the one I have the um, the Ultra Pro X, it's just like the GoPro. So getting it on there on your bow the right way is a little tricky. Yeah, uh, that's where I really like the Addiction because mm-hmm. it was pretty much almost built for that. And yeah, it's like the Tacticam, how you can really set it up to face and it, it, it mounts really smooth to the riser. Right. It's a little loud because if you mount it to the riser, yeah. it's not. That's if I showed Bonk. you that. Yeah, I showed yeah. you that one video yeah. I took where I shot the doe and I flipped it around and had it facing forward, and it does. It sounds like a rifle going off yeah. because it's absorbing the shock from the riser. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, I got to figure out a better way of doing it uh, so I can because I love that v- view as well. Yeah, you know, I am a big Looking fan back. of that. Yeah, it kept, captures your reaction. What I did uh, to set mine up is I actually took some electrical tape right around my riser a bunch of times, mm-hmm. like padded it up, and then I I used a, it's like a little, it's almost like an erector set that a little kid I picked up, I don't know, Best Buy or something. Okay. It's made for a GoPro, mm-hmm. and I just, you know, put it all together and fashioned it so it's facing out at me, and just those couple layers of electrical tape absorbs a lot of the shock so oh, you yeah, don't really that. get that it sounds like a thunk yeah, like yeah, it, yeah it sounds goofy yeah yeah but uh that definitely helped a lot but then again i'm not really using the the audio from the gopro very often so and that's it you know what i mean i yeah. i didn't plan on using the audio for it either uh that one time where i had that video the footage of that doe i shot it was such a crappy day i didn't want to take any of my other cameras out right and that addiction was uh waterproof yeah so i was able to just i didn't care about it it didn't matter so i was deer was coming up i just spun it flipped it around the other way yep. facing forward and uh and it worked out but yeah i gotta figure it out yeah. but because uh, i really like that i love that view yeah you know, i'm a big fan of it we could have we could have a whole whole episode on on filming and self-filming oh i know we probably should at some point yeah it's not a bad idea i do enjoy you know it's changed the way I hunt for sure. So oh, it, it can, will too with what you bring in the woods and how you get there and, and how yeah. you pack and you know I mean you you're definitely more involved in it than I am. I'm more of a hobbyist with it, uh, so I'm sure I'd love to you know maybe you'll learn a lot about it. Um, but yeah, it's it definitely changes the game. Yeah, we'll have to uh, plan that one soon. But uh, I think we've done a pretty good job of going through all the gear we have. All the the gear nerds out there are gonna enjoy this one. Oh yeah so. yeah yeah that's 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 me. i'm that guy I'm yeah gonna, I'm, i might listen to this two or three times myself yeah <laughs> this was uh, a lot a lot in here but uh yeah i think that's a good way to wrap it up sure I appreciate absolutely. you uh coming back for another episode absolutely man. we're on a roll love here. doing it it's good times it's almost a consistent schedule yeah yeah just about every two weeks or so yeah we're going every other week something like that so we're gonna try to keep at after that and uh We'll see how it goes from there. Beautiful. Once again, this is Mark with Jay Rodney. We're uh, appreciative of you listening to us babble about gear one more time. So 
keep an ear out for the next episode in probably two weeks. We'll see you. Thank you. <laughs>